Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. All right, before we actually get started, I am going to um, ask, we need to give a great thank you, by the way, to TPP interns. This is their last week here, and we need to just give them a big thank you by giving them a big clap. And, and uh, Mason, Vincent, and Jason have been here for the last several weeks and been doing different things around the city and, and helping us uh, through our intern program with TPP. And at this point, I'm going to ask uh, Jason if he would come forth and give us a few words of his, about his experience. Hello, everyone. Oh, yeah. Can y'all hear me? Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you to everyone. Um, thank you for inviting me into y'all community. Um, it was fun this summer hanging out with some of the staff and also the church members talking to you guys every Sunday. Or for some, in case Miss Jody, I'll talk to you throughout the week as well. Um, but yeah, it was fun, you know, serving for you guys. Um, building up that new garden. Do you guys like it? I think <laughs> I think we did pretty good. Um, um, I think, yeah, you guys gave me, not only me, but all of the other Philadelphia Project staff um, a lot of energy, um, positive energy on top of that. Um, you guys didn't just say, oh, well, these people are in our way. They messing us up from our <laughs> daily day. But Y'all looked at it as, oh, well, these guys are here to help us out, make a better community so we can invite more people into this community. So I just want to say thank you, and I love every one of y'all. All right. Thanks. All right. So we are going to begin a series this, for this month of, of August, and it's named My Name Is. Now, we all have a name, don't we? We all have a first name, and some of us have a middle name, and we use our middle initial, and, and uh, we all have a last name. Well, God has several names, and it's amazing how, how God describes himself because he has many, many names in which he used descriptive language in order to describe his character. And so one thing that we see with David is that David is able to pin down exactly what he is feeling with regard to his God. And that's what he does in Psalm 23. Now, he does that in many other places in the Psalms, but particularly in Psalm 23, we can actually go underneath the text and see that he's given us something deeper. And so he describes God in a real interesting way. And he's had a bad time in his life, believe it or not. So one of the reasons why this chat with this psalm is so dear to people is because of what it does to them in, in giving them comfort. And there's a reason why. And we're going to explore that by seeing God's character in his names. So when we first see God developing work habits in people, what do we see? We see in the very beginning 
that God uses the occupation of shepherding. That's one of the first occupations that we see in Scripture. And so we see Abel, who of course is a son of Adam and Eve, what is he? He's actually a shepherd. We see many other shepherds in the Old Testament, don't we? As we look through the Old Testament, we see that Abraham was a shepherd. We, we see that Isaac was a shepherd, and Lot was a shepherd, and Laban was a shepherd. We even see there's a woman who we will call a shepherdess. Her name was Rachel. And we see Amos. And then we come up to David, who is a shepherd. He's also known as the shepherd king. So David, when he's pinning down Psalm 23, he's not writing it as a shepherd. He's writing it as a sheep. And so David, because he was a shepherd, knows what it is to take care of sheep. And I believe that in his descriptive language of, of what a shepherd does, it, it describes not only how God speaks toward us as his people, but God speaks toward us in a way that identifies us with sheep. And he uses the motif of, of, a, of a relationship between a, a shepherd and his sheep to describe what he does for us. And, and this is how he does it. Now, because David was able to understand sheep, he's able to pinpoint certain things. And one thing we know that David is aware that it depends on who the owner is of the sheep. See, there are some owners who will care for their sheep well. They will actually suffer for their sheep. They are intelligent about being gentle with their sheep and, and actually being selfless. But then there are some men who would take care of sheep in a very bad way. They don't really care about the sheep. They kind of let the sheep struggle. They let the sheep starve. They let the sheep go through endless hardship. But that's not what David did. And so when we fast forward and we come up to the New Testament, we know that the occupation of shepherding was still in place. Matter of fact, it was one of the main occupations in the area of Palestine where Jesus was living. And so we see Jesus then using the same kind of terminology that David used and we see that Jesus actually refers to himself as the good shepherd. Isn't that interesting? So we see back in, in Psalm 23 that, that David is referring to God as the good shepherd, as the shepherd. And we see that Jesus is referring to himself as the good shepherd. And so when we look in Psalm 23, there's the name of God there. And what it is, it's Jehovah Roy, which is the Lord, our shepherd. David is saying and actually um, describing God as being his shepherd, being the one who manages his life, being the one who's the owner of his life. And so when he uses that term, he's saying that I have completely surrendered my life to the shepherd. Well, as we go on, what do we see? We see that a sheep is very needy. A sheep is very needy. Now, what's interesting, don't you know some needy people in your life? 
I mean, some needy people, they constantly are needing things. Now, is there anything wrong with that? Not necessarily. But what source are they going to to get their needs met? Are they constantly going to people to get their needs met? Or are they going to God to get their needs met? And see, depending on who you go to is really going to reflect who your shepherd really is. And so when we look at this, we see that because Isaiah compares us to sheep, because he says that we like sheep have gone astray, we see that David is comparing himself as well as us to sheep. We see that, that Jesus refers to himself as a shepherd, which means that he is the caretaker of sheep. Why? Because we are like sheep. That's why. Well, let's go to Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 34, what we see here, and I'm going to read it for you, we're going to look at verses 11 through 24. And this is what it says. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture, pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. I will place over them one shepherd. This is verse 23. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, I the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I am the Lord who have spoken. Wow, that's a mouthful, isn't it? But God is letting us know what he's about. He's letting us know that he's a shepherd and what he will do. And so that brings us to our first point. Our first point is the responsibility of the shepherd is to take care of the sheep. I think I have that point up there. Um, should be in the back. The responsibility of the shepherd is to take care of the sheep. Now, what does... God say in Ezekiel about what he will do. Well, well, notice what God does. God condescends down to us as a shepherd. That means God is greater than we are. And he actually comes down to us as a shepherd. And what he does is he gives us guidance and direction. So here's what a shepherd does. He leads them out. He leads the sheep out and in to find good pasture. That's the first thing. 
and safety. Well, what else does he do? He knows where to feed them. He, it's through grace and providence he leads them to where they need to go. That's the second thing that the shepherd does. What else does the shepherd do? He watches over them and keeps them from being destroyed by beasts. Now, we know that sheep have predators. And those predators are wolves and, and lions and, and hyenas and leopards. A sheep cannot take care of himself or herself. And so when we look at what God does, he says that any of the sheep that stray, I will go after that sheep. But then there's something else that God is saying here. He says he brings them to the shade in times of scorching heat. So when it's really hot outside, the shepherd will bring the sheep into a place where there's shade because the sheep can get too hot, just like we do. Well, well the last thing that the shepherd will do is that he will protect the sheep from anything and that he will make sure that they are comfortable. Hmm. Wow. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work for a shepherd. And the shepherd is willing to do that. And God says here in Ezekiel that, that he's going to do all these things. So he lets us know that he's going to take care of his sheep. So what God is saying is that I am going to be just like a shepherd and I'm going to do that for my sheep. Well, the question is, who is God's sheep? True believers. Now, who are true believers? All those people who have received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and who are walking in him and have given their lives over to him and have allowed God to be the one who rules their life. That's what a believer is. And so God is saying that all those people who belong to me, this is the kind of care that they're going to receive. That brings us to point number two about the shepherd. Point number two is the responsibility of the under-shepherd is to take care of the people of God. Now, now, wait a minute, where do I get that from? And why do I use the term under-shepherd? Because that's what a pastor is. A pastor is an under-shepherd. Notice in Ezekiel what I read. It says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. Now, in the Old Testament, the king was responsible for taking care of the people. He was responsible for protecting the people. Wherever the king was spiritually, usually that's where the people were spiritually. Now, he wasn't responsible for taking care of the sacrifices in the temple. That was the responsibility of the priest. But when we see what the king does and in tandem with the priest, that is how the people were godly. And so God is letting us know that, yes, I will be your shepherd, but because you are my people, I have under shepherds. I have pastors that will be over you. And what is their responsibility? To pastor your souls. See, everybody don't get that. It's the responsibility of the pastor, the under shepherd, to be responsible for your souls. Well, what does your soul consist of? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. 
That's where you live at. That's your being. That's all of who you are. So what are you actually saying, Crawford? You telling me that the pastor is responsible for what I do and what I say and all that? I'm saying that they should have an impact in what you do and what you say because the purpose of you sitting in a church under the authority of pastors, you have given them the authority to be a part of your life. That's how God designed it. That's what the church is. You aren't just running around on your own out there and people who say, I don't need a church, they're wrong and they're unbiblical. Because they're supposed to be under the authority of a church in which the pastor is governing their souls and watching over them. Well, what does that mean? Well, what does a shepherd do? And this is what the responsibility of the under-shepherd is. The responsibility under, of the under-shepherd isn't just to teach and preach, but the under-shepherd is supposed to what? To feed the sheep and to gather them, even if he has to carry them into pasture land. What do you mean by that? He's going to pick me up and carry me? No. That's not what it means. Here's what I believe it means. That, that the pastor is to teach the word that will have an impact on your life. What is he teaching? What is she teaching? What are they teaching? What kind of word are you sitting under? Are you just sitting under dessert or are you sitting under meat? Because a lot of people are sitting under dessert. Now, you can't live off of dessert. If you keep cook, eating chocolate chip cookies and vanilla ice cream and, and eating all the sugary stuff, there's gonna be, it's going to have an impact on, on you in different ways, health-wise. It's the same way when it comes to the word of God. Who you sit under is going to impact what's going to happen in your life and how you move, maneuver in your life. So it's the responsibility of the shepherd. The responsibility, too, is to guide the sheep into pasture away from rough places. Well, well what are rough places? Away from stuff that are going to get you in trouble. What? That's the, one of the pastor's job? Uh, yeah. Well, well, how does he do that? If, if he hears that you're getting in trouble somehow or hears that you're doing something you're not supposed to and somebody happens to die, the pastor should be there to see what's going on because that's part of what the pastor is called to do. Just like the, just like the shepherd will go after the sheep, the pastor should go after the, the, the sheep like an, as an under-shepherd. Well, what, what else? To seek and to save sheep who get lost. Well, what does that mean? When you backslide. Who's going to come after you? I'm going to be honest. What that should mean is that if we haven't seen you in weeks, we should be coming after you. We should be at least sitting in a deacon or somebody, the associate minister or somebody else. What's, what's going on in your life? Because if you belong to a fellowship, you are under the care of. But a lot of people get upset. What, what you coming looking for me for? But then you have the opposite. Oh, they didn't come and look for me. So that goes on too, right? Um, let's be honest, it goes both ways. But a lot of times, people will put the onus on the pastor and they don't even know what's going on. And you get mad or somebody, some people get mad because the pastor haven't come out or somebody hasn't checked on them. 
but why can't you call? See, this thing is, is both ways too. At least the sheep is going to bah, he's calling out for some help, right? <laughs> so, so if the sheep is calling out for some help, we need to call out for some help too. All you have to do is bah, and when I hear you, we're going to come running, hopefully. But at least give a bah, right? Okay, what else does the shepherd do? What, what should we be doing as under shepherds to protect the sheep and, and be willing to sacrifice for the sheep? You know what that means? We have to be willing to tell you the truth, whether you like it or not, and take a risk that even if you walk away, we did what we needed to do. Because a lot of times people are going to resist truth. But as, as, as pastors, we got, we got to be willing to do that. To reward the sheep for obedience and faithfulness. What, what is that? To acknowledge that, that, you know what, we need to encourage people that are doing it right. That are living right. You know, the encouraging, you know what, listen, I, I see what you just did. I see how you just gave up something on behalf of Jesus. And I, I just want you to know that Jesus, as well as myself, we are so proud of you for what, how you are living your life. We all need encouragement. That's part of what the shepherd is supposed to be doing on the under-shepherd, on behalf of the shepherd. And then the, what else? One more thing. He is to separate the sheep from the goats. Oh, you're not going to like this one. What does that mean? Who's the goat? The goats are the one who don't know Jesus. So if I find out that you with somebody or you hanging around people that aren't, that, that aren't like you and you hanging around and they having a major influence in your life that's keeping you away from the shepherd, I, I, I need to go after you. I need to go after you. Why? Because that's part of what the, the shepherd does. He goes after the sheep. So, so maybe pastors need to take a, a course in how to take care of sheep. Because if they take a course in how to take care of real sheep, they're going to know how to take care of people. And in my experience, I can't speak about nobody else's. In my experience, I've seen over the years that there's been a lack of care by pastors who are shepherds and they're not taking care of their sheep well. Now, let me make a point here. There are pastors who have deacons and ministers who help him with that. So the pastor might be busy or he might be somewhere or might have something to do with things going on. But you have to remember that, that the ministers and the deacons are part of an extension of the pastor. So if he sends out one of them, guess what? That's still the pastor caring for you. But see, everybody wants, I got to see pastor, at least in some circles. If the pastor don't come see you, then you feel that. Well, he don't care for me. Well, well, did the associate minister come? He's not good enough. If they both giving you word, they both caring for your soul. He's an extension of the pastor because the pastor can't do it all. We need to understand that. That's why shepherds have people who help them with real sheep. Because if they have 400 sheep, how is he going to handle one sheep? But guess what? When the shepherd calls and they hear his voice, 
all the sheep come running because they know who the shepherd is. All right. We need to move along. So, so the final thing here is that the shepherd, or the point number three, is that the responsibility of the sheep is to follow the shepherd through the under-shepherd. That's point number two. This is very practical. Well, what are they to do? That means as a sheep, what's your responsibility? What's my responsibility as a sheep? I am to follow the under-shepherd. If the under-shepherd is preaching truth and the under-shepherd is teaching truth, that means I should have no problem trusting the shepherd. I trust the shepherd through the under-shepherd in which I am sitting under. I need to think about that. So why am I in church? Am I in church just to come because it's the thing to do? Am I in church just to, to come because that's what my family does? Or I, am I there because I'm looking to hear from the under-shepherd to get a word, and that word that comes through the under-shepherd is for me as a sheep because when I hear the under-shepherd, I'm actually hearing from the shepherd. I'm, am I, I am to trust. I'm to have faith trusting the shepherd. I'm to follow the shepherd. I am to go where the shepherd leads me. As long as he's leading me into good pasture land, guess what? I'm good. Because if I'm eating well and I'm drinking well and he's protecting me, then I'm good. What am I complaining for? I don't need to complain. Now, if he's taking me to some places that, that don't have any good pasture, then that's a different story, right? So I'm to follow the shepherd. I am to listen to the shepherd. That means how does, this, how does the shepherd speak? Well, I, I listen to the under-shepherd. The shepherd speaks through the under-shepherd. So when I come to church, I hear the word through him. I hear the word through all those people who's able to give truth from the word. I'm able to hear directly from God himself through his spirit because his spirit lives within me. I'm also able to hear his word through circumstances because God speaks through circumstances, and I'm able to hear the shepherd, what, through something else, through his spirit touching my heart and hearing from other people as well, because if the spirit is in them, they're able to give me a word, just like the pastor. He speaks through the word. He speaks through his spirit. He speaks through people. He speaks through circumstances. And then the last thing, to obey the shepherd, to do what the shepherd says. But what is the shepherd asking you to do? What's the under shepherd asking you to do? A lot of times we have to be challenged by the under shepherd so that we can get in the shepherd's will. God did not call us just to sit in the church pew. He didn't call us to do that. So if you don't know exactly what you need to be doing, why, well, come talk to the pastor. Come talk to the associate pastors. Come talk to somebody. At least we can give you some direction on how you can pursue 
what God is calling you to do. And sometimes it's hard to find. But God has gifted us through the Spirit that we have different gifts to be used for the body. We have to remember that. So, Jehovah, Jehovah Roy, that's God our shepherd. But then look at what he says. He doesn't stop there. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, I shall not want means that everything has been provided. Well, well, is that a name of God? Well, yeah. Well, what is that name? Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh is the one who's responsible for providing everything that we need. And so when we look at Jehovah Jireh, what do we see about Jehovah Jireh? We see that it means provision. When we look at our provisions, and a lot of times as Americans and as people in general, we don't get the full extent of what it means. Yeah, I'm going on a trip and, and I have everything that I need. I, and I have my combos and I have my twisters and I have my iced tea. That, that I have all my provisions that I need for my trip. And then, you know what? God has, has given me a wonderful car. I got a new car and I got a new house. Doesn't God provide? He's so awesome, isn't he? You know, I didn't, have, I, I didn't know how I was going to pay my rent this week. And God, you know, miraculously, uh, there was a check in the mail, and it was just the amount that I needed. Isn't he awesome? He provided for me, and, and, and those kind of things. And I had a friend. I had a hospital bill that I needed to pay, and when I went to pay it, they said it's already been paid. And anonymously, somebody paid my bill at the hospital. All that's provision. That's, yeah, God provides, but he's so much more than that. When we actually look at Jehovah Jireh, and our first point is this, our provider meets our needs. Jehovah Jireh meets our needs, and we first see him in Genesis 22. In Genesis 22, and, and I'm not going to read it, but, but the fact is in Genesis 22 is where we find Jehovah Jireh. And what's the context? The context is Abraham. Abraham and his son, Isaac, is on Mount Moriah. And they, he's walking his son, and, and Isaac is carrying some wood. And as they go up to this mountain, obviously Isaac recognized, well, we're going to do something. We're going to sacrifice something. I'm familiar with this process. And as they go up to Mount Moriah, what happens? Abraham begins to tie his son up on the piece of wood. And he puts his son on the altar. And he's ready to sacrifice his son as a burnt offering. And when he does that, he has the knife in his hand and he's ready to kill his son. And then all of a sudden the angel comes and he says, stop. Stop. Over in the thicket, there's a ram. And the ram is to be sacrificed. What do we see in that picture? See, see, 
there's something there because what we see is that, yes, we know that God provides. We already said that. No, but in this context, it's not about snacks. It's not about cars. It's not about money. It's not about bills. What we actually see, it's in the context of the most profound physical need a person can face, the loss of life. That's where we see this at. God, our provider. And, and so Adam and Sarah, who had been given provision in their son Isaac in their old age, is now going to be sacrificed. What is going on in their minds? God, you said I was going to be a great nation. You've given us this son in our old age. He was 100 and Sarah was 90. And now you're going to take my son. But look, he didn't ask that, did he? He took his son, put him up on the altar. Now, this is so awesome, y'all. Because what he's ready to do is to kill his son because here's what provision really means. Jehovah Jireh literally means, and to be interpreted in the Hebrew, as the Lord will say. What? The Lord will say. That's what it means. But what is the Lord saying? He's saying what needs to be done, and he's going to provide care and comfort and support if you trust in him. God will provide because his eye ever affects his heart, and the wants he sees in his hand is ever ready to supply. He's ever ready to supply. On that mountain... It means the Lord shall be seen. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord shall be seen. Now watch this. When he was ready to sacrifice his son, he saw the resurrection because he believed that. But what he saw was Jesus. And the sacrifice. See, the reality of what we see here is that the father had willingly offered Abraham to sacrifice his son. Isaac had willingly said, yes, I will be the sacrifice. He didn't have to beg and plead. His son said, okay, I'm the sacrifice. What was that pointing to? It was pointing to God. Because God sacrificed his son and Jesus agreed to come down here to be the sacrifice for us, the burnt offering. Abraham was able to see that. That's, where, that's what the term means. Jehovah Jireh, the provider, yes, he provides stuff for our life, but he saw what the future was going to be by offering his son that satisfied what God asked Abraham to do, but the real satisfaction would come when Jesus would go to the cross and do what his father had asked him to do. Now, everybody should be jumping up after that. If I was in the Baptist church, they'd all be screaming now. I'm just being honest. That is awesome. But guess what? That's not the only thing. Oh, oh, my gosh. 
Mount Moriah, the reason in the New Testament, we know that Jesus was crucified at Golgotha. It was called the place of the skull. Why did they call it that? Because they believed that's where Adam was buried. Adam was called the first Adam. Jesus was called the second Adam. The second Adam was being crucified where the first Adam had died. But not only that, <laughs> Mount Moriah is where we just witnessed Jehovah Jireh, where Isaac was going to be offered to God as a sacrifice. Mount Moriah is believed to be the location of the temple where they offered sacrifices in the Old Testament. Are you following me? Mount Moriah is where Jesus was crucified. All the way back to Adam, who was buried there, the tempt the Isaac, who was offered there as a sacrifice, the, the temple where they offered sacrifices, and now Jesus becomes the final sacrifice, and there have to be no more. In the same location, within 400 feet, Jehovah Jireh. That brings us to Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to just breeze through that quick. It, it, it says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, or, or what your body, um, what you will put on. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, or, and, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So when these verses, what do we see? We see that, that yes, God is responsible for provision, isn't he? He takes, care of the, he takes care of the birds. And if he takes care of the birds, of course he's going to take care of us because we're image bearers. So... Point number two, and I'm, I'm quickly, I'm going to be done. Our provider has rescued us from sin. That's point number two. So in Jesus' teaching, we see one side of God's provision, don't we? In Jesus' teaching, we see the one side. But in his mission to earth, we see the other side of his provision. So the same God who smiled on the brilliance of wildflowers and feels and feeds a baby sparrow sends his son as the atoning sacrifice for sins already committed. Jesus was the last and final sacrifice, the flawless lamb able to redeem all sinners and pay for all sins once and for all. Jesus is God's perfect and complete provision, the answer to every person's deepest question and the fulfillment of their deepest needs. We have everything that we need. Physically, spiritually, God has provided. Jehovah Jireh. 
Point number three, this is my last point. We are to live content under the shepherd's provision. Huh? We are to live content under the shepherd's provision. Well, well the, the shepherd has provided everything that we need. Can I be satisfied? We need to ask that question. Am I satisfied with the management of my life? We need to answer that question. Am I satisfied with how God manages my life? If he's truly the shepherd. Now, if I'm, here, here's what I'm saying, because this is what the shepherd does, and, and we're talking about provision. For the shepherd, his, he's fond of the sheep. So for him, he loves them as his own. He takes personal pleasure in them. He will, if necessary, be on the job 24 hours a day to see that they are provided for. That's our God. That's the shepherd who provides. That's what David is talking about. This shepherd who provides everything. He knows what we need. We might not. So the things that we ask for, maybe he doesn't give it to us because that's not what we really need. Above all, he is very jealous of his name and, and high reputation as a good shepherd. Jesus is, is concerned about his reputation as a good shepherd. Jesus knows he can take care of us. But do we know that in the midst of our trials and tribulations that Jesus is still there taking care of us? Are we content when we're going through trials and tribulations? Now, it doesn't feel good. Let's be honest. But, and I'm prone to complain. But I think somewhere in Scripture it says to do everything without complaining. I believe the writer of Colossians said that, which is Paul. Why do I get so upset when things don't go right in my life? Because I'm not content with what the shepherd is doing. If he's my owner and he's my manager and I've given him my life and I'm bought with a price, then why do I have such a struggle when it comes to what he allows? I need to think about that. A couple more things. The owner delights in his flock. Jesus delights in us. How do we, how do we receive that? How do we receive when we hear that? This is indeed his very life. Our lives are his very life. He will go to no end of trouble and labor to supply us with everything that we need. And he protects us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jehovah Roy and Jehovah Jireh. That's my name. Do you believe that the power that are in my names are able to sustain you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We Thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. 
We thank you for all that you have provided for us. Father, we know that as a shepherd, you truly care. We know, Lord, that as a shepherd, you are able to give us everything that we need. But in my struggle, sometimes I'm in doubt. Father, help us to not doubt, but to truly trust that everything that we go through, it's for purpose. And you are creating in us, Lord, a likeness of Christ so that we can be a reflection to the world of what it is to have a Savior who truly knows how to love. Help us to walk in that. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. stand and sing this closing song together. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.